I'm Danielle Laporte, and essentially, this is a one-woman show about self-realization called With Love, Danielle. This is, I hope it's obvious by now, an adult conversation, so just heads up with whoever you have around you. You can find copious notes on people I mention and books I refer to and uh, basically a compilation of every episode in the podcast notes at daniellelaporte.com. I'll be talking about compassion, self-help fatigue, sex, joy, serving the world. This is about a spirituality that's way more rock and roll than it is oppressive. I'm here to help you turn your anxiety into power. Personally, I want to live more deeply, but lighten up. You're going to hear about all the ways that I have finally figured out how to do that. It's about doing everything I can to help all of us feel a little less crazy, a lot more full of possibility, and clearly part of the solution. Hello, friends. Question, anybody who wants to give up? Anybody right now thinking about walking away? Anybody who is debating whether they should stay or they should go? It's in the project, it's the relationship, it's some circumstance you've set up for yourself. I see you, I hear you, I am you. I, you know, I was thinking in preparation for this conversation, what it was that I want to let go of right now, what I want to give up on. And for me, it's not so much circumstances. You know, I don't I don't feel I don't feel beat down right now. I feel I feel like I am I'm in a phase, I'm in a chapter where I am I am eating the fruit of that has grown, that is born of my my resiliency, not just my resiliency, my my devotion, it's all paying off. It's all coming together. But I do want to give up some thought forms, for sure. There are things that surface in my mind every day, probably every hour, if I paid attention and really looked at those thought forms, that I know are not serving me. My response to those thought forms is constriction, is doubt, is fear. I know that if I change those thought forms, I'll be creating different feelings. So that's what I want to give up on. But mostly, I'm really in. I'm in for life. So this is how this conversation is going to go. I want to have a talk about giving up and not giving up. And the first part of this is in the realm of just general manageable life stuff. You know, should you leave the job? Should you exit the relationship? Should you depart from the church? You know, so these could be at the moment really deep questions for you, but you know on some level that you've got this. So you're not questioning whether you want to stay or exit the planet, right? You're you're here to live. And then after we have that layer, that level of conversation, then I want to talk about those of us who might be considering whether we should stay or go from this planet. So more specifically, we are going to talk about staying here, staying alive, choosing life with all that we have. All right, let's talk about the divinity of laying your burden down. So who knows the story of 
the man who was hitting himself over the head with a hammer. You know that one? So the guy's in the forest, and a passerby approaches him and says, excuse me, but why do you keep hitting yourself over the head with that hammer? And, you know, of course, the guy who's observing this is in total shock, and the man replies, because it's going to feel so good when I stop. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Any anybody relating to like you're beating yourself up right now you're you're pushing yourself you're over resilient you know when you get there you think more accurately you think you hope you pray that when you get there it's going to feel so good when you get to stop hanging in there yeah actually you know what before we get deeper into this let me insert this preface and say I'm going to be full of contradictions in this presentation. You'll hear me say things like, quit, but keep going. Forget it. Stay the course. Fuck it. You should wait. You should hold on. The dawn is coming. I see it. I see it in your eyes. I see hope. But you should walk away, but root down deeper. So listen, really, whether you should stay or whether you should go, the answer to that is deep within your heart. It doesn't come from anybody else's perspective. It doesn't come from anybody else giving you permission to stay or leave. Of course, of course, outside perspective can be incredibly helpful. And maybe I'm going to be that person for you today. So other people and scripture and something you just hear from one little meditative one-liner or another self-help podcast or one joke from your kid, or the book that falls off the shelf, all of those external sources of input can be giving you hints and clues to the truth that is already resonating within you, the truth whether you should stay or whether you should go. So it's totally cool to absorb and appreciate and act on wisdom that is outside of yourself, but know that it's just it's striking a chord with your own pre-existing wisdom, you still have to make the call about what direction you're going to go in. And there's nobody's input that can be wiser or more informed than your own interior guidance system. Everything outside of yourself, it can give you a clue. It can it can pluck the instrument of your heart and you vibrate with it and say, ah, what she had to say, I'm, yeah, she's right. But you know, it's, it's that she's right about what you already know, right? You're feeling that hum with what's happening outside with, with signposts. You think to yourself, ah, that feels like a yes, but the yes or no ultimately is coming from within you. So here's one more thing I want to say about contradictions. I'm going to have to lean on some Walt Whitman here, where he said, do I contradict myself? Well, very well. I am vast. I contain multitudes. So yeah, the best of us, when we're at our best, we contradict ourselves. Wisdom in its very nature is contradictory because it's non-dualistic, it's whole. It's going to bring both sides together. So in terms of the practicalities of giving up, I have a theory that I practice for myself. I do not give up on something until I have fully showed up. So I'm a yes until I have run out of ways to say yes. I am all in until 
oh my God, I don't know when. I'm just all in until it's like really clear. It's either, it's really painful. It's become joyless. I've run out of synchronicities. Yeah. I'm actually really great at quitting soon. And I really, the, the first time I came across this wisdom so succinctly was from Seth Godin. He wrote a little book called The Dip, where he said, winners quit sooner. And that that blew my mind because I had been raised, I mean, mostly in an educational system that was all about hanging in there, that the winners, you know, they took it until the very end. Mm-mm. What I realized was that I win when I quit sooner because I don't have to get too far, too deeply into something, too invested into something until I know that it's not a fit. I know that it doesn't light me up. I learn, I pay attention more acutely and I get out way sooner when I can just get the whiff of misery coming down the track. It doesn't mean I'm not up for the hard work. I am up for the hard work when my heart is fully engaged when I'm aligned with my purpose, when my passion is flowing, bring on the heavy lifting. So these are my metrics for knowing whether to stay or whether to go. One, am I enthusiastic about this? Do I feel lit up? Do I feel expanded and turned on? Am I enjoying this? Yeah. And if the situation hits all of that, all of those notes, then it's a yes at least it's a yes for the next step. If I can check off all of those and ask myself, like, what am I doing here? Am I enthusiastic lit up? Is there enjoyment? That's all I need to know. So should you stay? Should you go? Examine the evidence. Enthusiasm, lit up, enjoying yourself. Is what you're doing right now working in its current form? So let me let me say that again, because here's the important phrase in that. Is it working in its current form? So you can have a revelation that something is definitely not working, but you do not need to quit. It just means that what's happening right now isn't jiving with you. It's not fulfilling you. It's not creating enjoyment. It's not aligned with where you want to be going. But it doesn't mean that that revelation is leading you to walk away. It just might mean that it's time for a correction, for an adjustment, for a conversation, that could change everything. So you're going to keep the baby, but you're just going to get rid of the bathwater. You're going to refresh the bathing situation. I remember when I first heard that phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. My grandmother said it to me and I didn't get it. I was like, why would you ever throw a baby out with the bathwater? I thought it was so hostile and so violent, but I get it now. So just to put a fine point on this, the very act of just admitting to what currently sucks without worrying about what the solution is to remedy that suckage. So all you need to do is clearly see what is going on in present time. And with that clarity, from that point, the solutions start to emerge. What happens for a lot of us is that we we stay in denial about the extent to which something really isn't working for us. Well, it's kind of working. We can make it work. And then we go into that that sort of twisted possibility thinking, and there can be a lot of hope in that, but we just, we think to ourselves, if only I fill in the blank. So only if I did more of that, or if he were more, or if she were less, 
if I took another workshop, if I, if only I listened to another Danielle Laporte podcast, I would figure this out. Uh, if only we applied more of our skills, if I could muster up more strength, if I meditated more, listen, just none of that. Just stand in what is actually happening today, how you feel about it, examine with great intensity, with compassion, with courage, what is actually happening now. And then ask yourself if you should keep fighting the same fight. Sometimes the answer is yes. Are you losing sleep over what's happening? What needs to change? So are you at a point where you're actually sick of hearing yourself complain about the same damn things over and over again? It's that same yammer, yammer, hammer, hammer, hammering yourself in the head. Or do you feel that there is this this healthy wrestling this really strengthening struggle that is actually moving you in the direction of freedom is is the struggle is what's strenuous is it good hard work that is moving you towards peace is this the sweaty balancing act that's required for you to find equanimity you know you're kind of just you're you're wiggling things for the right fit or Are you at a point where you think you have no fight left in you? God, I can feel, I can feel the tension (laughs) from thousands of people right now because I feel, and I, I, I'm familiar with that tension in myself. Here's what's tense for me in that question. There are times when we have no fight left within us because it's just no longer appropriate to be fighting that fight. I want to talk about that. But I've also come to realize that, again, if I'm there for the right reasons, if I'm facing towards my soul, if things feel meaningful, if I'm showing up to put more love and light into my own being, my life in the world, I always have more fight in me. Yeah. But if I'm off track and if it's become, if it's, If the fight is to a point where I am just neglecting my deep sensitivity and the things that matter most to me, my wellness, then that's a good time to, that's the same time to realize I've got to stop fighting. And I used to consider that a defeat. And now I know that often that defeat can actually be a divine victory. It's a revelation. Because it's like this, you know, it's highly likely that so-and-so is not going to change, even though he or she could, or even if he or she or they committed to making the change, it might take a few years. And how many more years are you going to give? You know, do you, do you have a fuller life to live? Do you want to commit to that fullness in yourself and you have to go off in that direction? or? The answer could be, maybe you do have many more years to give to that situation, that person. So let's just pause on that example. Yeah, some of us are nodding. Some of us are calling our therapist right now. The someone that you want to change in order for the situation to become more tolerable, more enjoyable for it to become what you want it to be. That's someone who you want to change, could change, but they probably possibly are going to choose to not 
to change. So what does that feel like? Or there could be a shift in perception, which by the way, A Course in Miracles defines a miracle as a shift in perception. And those miracles, those shifts, and how people view themselves and the world around them in life, those miracles happen all the time. And they often happen when you least expect it. So I'm sorry to confuse the fuck out of you right now, but that person actually could change. It's tricky, isn't it? (laughs) Let's keep going down the relationship track. So we should all ask ourselves when we are desiring for change from someone else in a relationship, if it's really our place to be demanding, desiring, or requesting for them to change. It might be our place because we could have an agreement. We could be in a promised uh, structure with them. So it could be legit and totally healthy for you to desire them to change because their evolution, their shift in behavior could be a much better match, could create more health, more wellness, more respect for your deep sensitivity, more fullness for them. Okay. Here's the other question though. The question could be, (laughs) well, the question usually is, actually, this is the question we could start with. We should start with, how do you need to change? How do you need to change? How do we need to change on behalf of loving yourself? How do you need to change on behalf of respecting yourself and honoring your deep sensitivity and the vision you have for your fullest being, for your fullest life? And what changes do you need to create on behalf of the future that you want to be living? That's a big question. I almost feel like apologizing for asking that question because there could be a lot of things that need to get shaken up uh, in order to rise to that answer. All right, let's so let's go back to the basics and relationship dynamics. So she, he, they may have told you that they're not going to budge. Whatever change you've wanted, they're just like, I'm, they're telling you with their words repeatedly, most importantly, they are showing you with their actions, what their position is, whether it's flexible or it's fixed. So now, whether it hurts a little or it hurts a lot, now are you going to stay or are you going to go? Or are you going to stay and you do the changing? Hmm. <laughs> let's zoom further up. So instead of just looking at relationship dynamics, let's look at this in terms of culture and industry. So is your industry, the milieu in which you are working, is that space, do you think the trajectory that that is on, is that going to get any more enlightened? What are the signs that you are seeing in your culture everywhere? Which direction is it headed? Do you want to stick with that? Are you going to stop trying to change that game, you might want to, or are you going to go where you can really play full out, where you can really unfurl and be more extensively appreciated? It's such a healthy human need to want reciprocal gratitude, to want to be appreciated for our innate talents and our contributions. So super healthy. Keep wanting that. Some of us 
need that appreciation more, let's say, uh, more broadly. We need it from, we need it from many of our peers. We want it from the predominant group that we hang with. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Widespread respect, super cool. Some of us are built differently or we're in different spaces where we just need deep respect from a smaller group or a certain type of person. Yeah. Are you going to make a move towards where your heart is magnetized? Are you going to seek out more resistance and use that as, um, as like a vitamin, as fuel to rise? That's cool. That could be super cool for some of us. Or are you going to seek out more resonance? Also super cool, just different dynamics. Are you going to take on what I think is a very honorable mantle of singing to the choir? Preaching to the choir is a powerful thing. Teach the teachers, train the trainers. Do you want to double down? Reach into your heart. Extend yourself upwards to your higher self, to the infinite. Mm. Or, and just stay with me on this one, are you going to stay within a dysfunctional game and commit to being the change that you want to see from within the game? It's also a very noble choice. One of my favorite philosophers and futurists, Buckminster Fuller, talked about leaving the game versus staying the game. He, his, his theory was that we should really let old systems die in and of themselves, and new systems will be born on the fringe of the old system. Obviously, I agree with that. My way has been get out of the broken system and go create my own game. It's not for everybody, and I'm certainly not saying it's like a superior way to go. I want to pop in right now for two reasons. One, to say thank you for the outpouring of interest in the membership program that I'm starting in January and February of 2020. And it's called Heart Centered. If you haven't caught the news before, you go to daniellelaporte.com slash heart centered. Here's the intention. How about we all get together and harness our loving attention to remove the illusions in our lives that we are unworthy and that we are disconnected from source and from each other so that more light can enter our lives down to each cell and every conversation we have. That's the idea. I am creating a sequence, a rhythm to deliver every practice that I have ever been given by a higher teacher, that I have ever cultivated from within my own wisdom, that I have polished within community. I'm going to give those to you every month for 12 months. We're going to practice together. We're going to heal together. This only happens together. Yeah, we're going to do part of what we came here to do. Evolve with joy. P.S. Together. Yeah. DanielleLaporte.com slash HeartCenter beginning in January, February of 2020. Get on the list so that when we fling open the doors, we're the first to rush in. I'll be there. Open arms, open heart. All right, let's take a deep breath. So think about your dreams. 
your goals, uh, your long-held intentions. Right? Bring those to mind. And hold, hold a few of them up. Let's just pick one dream or one goal and hold it up next to these questions I'm about to ask you. So with respect to that dream, if it was going to happen, would it have happened by now? Does that feel true or does that feel not true about that dream? Um, does it feel like a relief that that dream might not happen? Uh, does it feel absolutely inaccurate, like it could happen anytime? Does the idea of like, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now? Does that make you want to lay the dream down? Mm. Do you feel some grief when you consider laying that dream down? Or is there spaciousness? Is there relief? Is there some expansion that could be created from letting that dream go out to pasture? Or does just that consideration, does that idea, like if it were going to happen, it would have happened by now, does it actually make you feel more revved up? Like it could happen. I believe in miracles. Miracles are true. They happen all the time. The resources are coming to me. I'm shifting. I'm growing stronger every day. And therefore the goal itself is shifting and it's moving closer to me. Valuable question. So just stay with that energy of examining what it is that you might consider giving up on. So just bring to mind, you may let this situation go. So again, we want, just want to create some spaciousness around this. So you're not declaring that it's a yes or a no, that you're going to stay or you're going to go. So just for this process, we're going to try on some thought forms about what it might be like to let go. So think about the situation that you might want to let go of, bail on, close, walk away from, all right? So now just focus on the potential of feeling relieved, the potential relief that could come from giving up. It might be a declaration that goes something like, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop fighting because what I want more than anything is peace. I'm going to stop grinding because what I want more than grinding is ease in my life. I am going to, as of today, declare that my karma in this situation is paid in full. I am declaring right now that I am done learning my lessons through primarily suffering. I am declaring right now that I am receiving all of my learning gracefully. I know, I know, I believe that there is a better way of doing things and I am now going to allow for that. I already feel relieved. Yeah. Huh? Take a breath. Okay, let's keep going. So considering what you might want to let go of, focus on the benefits of no longer fighting that fight. Yeah? So what would those benefits be? Less fighting, less crying, less 
overeating, (laughs) fewer therapy bills, more sleep, more space, more time, more depth, more creative flow, more free expansion, more energy, more you, more you, more you. Yeah, you can keep that list going. The benefits of no longer fighting would be, yeah, you fill in those blanks. All right, who has core desired feelings? Quick course here, your core desired feelings are the feelings you want to feel most of the time. Everybody can think of some right now. These are your preferred states of being. So whether you have done the desire map, my fabulous book, or not, just bring into your heart mind feelings, ideas about feelings you would love to feel. Yeah? Just two or three. All right, so the big bonus of not feeling those feelings right now, of not feeling the way you want to feel most of the time, is that you are, you are in the opportunity of getting very clear about how it is that you do want to feel. You're learning through contrast. We learn through contrast, right? So we know that we want more, more yang, more fire in our life by having too much yin, by having too much wateriness. We learn about joy or our true desire for joy and our commitment to joy through some suffering. We learn about devotion. We learn about our desires via, via suffering and struggle. We learn about how deeply we crave ease and peace and vitality. And we can shorten the gaps between the suffering experiences, that contrast, and the more joyful realities. And we don't need copious amounts of suffering in order to have copious amounts of joy. So the more awake and expanded and open-hearted we become, the more loving we become towards ourselves and others in life, then the more attuned we are going to be, the more deeply sensitive we're going to be. So let me just, let me walk through that again sequentially open-heartedness. Our love flows more. We attune more with life. We become more deeply sensitive. And when that's happening, we may actually experience less suffering because, I know some of you are thinking, but the more sensitive I am, the more open I am to life and the world, the, the deeper my suffering. I'm, believe me, I'm there with you, but just follow this for a second. The more attuned we become to the flow of life, the more sensitive we become, the more easily we will be able to see where the joy is, the more we can access our gratitude in the moment, the easier it is for us to find meaning and purpose in things, the easier it is for us to access faith and to look to the infinite, the higher power, where there is joy, right? So it doesn't mean that we're not going to feel the suffering of the world and the people around us, but deeper sensitivity allows us to also sense the truth in things. And within the truth of things, there is liberation and there is joy. All right, so let's go back to the idea of you feeling the way you want to feel, your core desired feelings. Just for a moment, 
celebrate, this is going to might feel strange, celebrate the fact that you have not been feeling those things. Wow, I have been feeling so shitty, so stuck, so constricted, so hard done by, so alone, so anxious. I'm so glad that I'm aware of those feelings. Those are experiences in contrast. Now I know that I want the opposite of those things, that I, that my awareness of not digging those things is the consciousness, the same consciousness, the same energy that is going to allow me to transform those very things. So you're awake to what isn't working. That is wakefulness. That awareness has just brought you one step closer to feeling the way that you truly want to feel. Being more acutely aware of the misery, celebrating the fact that you have that awareness of the misery. You're conscious. You're seeing what's really going on. That is bringing you just that much closer to joy. Huh? I'm telling you, it works. All right, this is a great place for a deep breath. So now shift your attention onto your your new ideal, how it is that you really want to feel, the situation that you really want to be living in your life, what you want things to be changing into. And by this, I don't mean that you're going to go revive a dream. This isn't about trying to make something work that isn't working. All right, just just move in with flow and with grace. Just move into that dream where it's all working and you didn't have to work to make it work. So you're not resurrecting anything. You're not in that space where you're thinking, they're going to change, I'm going to change, the industry is going to change, right? So right now, you're declaring newness. As of today, this is my ideal. Just stop there. Could be the same ideal, the same dream, the same goal that you had yesterday, but we want to bring a fresh energy and a fresh hope and a fresh sense of possibility to that. So the new ideal could be, I am in an equal relationship. The new ideal could be, I am feeling so vibrant and so vital and alive. The new ideal could be that I want to earn a living in a way that's totally in sync with my soul and my purpose. Yeah? All right? So you're in that energy of newness, of full flushness, of radiant ideal. You there? Do you see it? You feel it? Can you name it? Declare it? All right? No guilt. No hesitation. No doubt. It's just a declaration. Just want it. All right. You staying with me? So we go back to that original question at the top of the show. Are you going to stay? Are you going to go? You're going to hold on? You're going to release? So focus on the potential relief of giving something up. (sighs) Yeah, it could be a relief. And turn your attention to the potential benefits of no longer fighting that old fight anymore. What are all the good things that could come from just laying that battle down? Stay with me. Focus on your core desired feelings, how you want to feel most deeply most of the time. And then you bring in that image of your new ideal. You all in? Or is it time to open and let go? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I wish I knew the answer for you. Oh, God, I hope you're not 
more confused than when we got together here. But here's the thing. When you stop struggling to make something go the way that you have wanted it to, when you stop struggling, you are shifting the energy grid of your life. When you stop struggling, you're changing the vibe. When you stop struggling, you're changing the game itself. Doesn't mean that it's not going to work out. When you, when you stop the struggle, doesn't mean that that dream has to be buried. That dream may actually get vivified and brought to life because you just decide to stop trying so hard, stop forcing, you know? So you face the facts that something is not working, that it is binding you. It's causing you suffering. It's weighing you down. Yeah. If I do this for myself right in this moment, oh, I can think of thought forms and, you know, those things that I replay, you know, that, oh, that attachment the things that I've been putting so much energy into tending and craving, if I just let those go, my God, what a proposition. If I just let those things go, how I am right now completely shifts. Just, just let it go. Just for this moment, just I can let it go. I can be intensely grateful for everything I have right now. And just like my, my whole system just sort of exhales. I have more clarity about why it is that I want what I want. I still want it, but I've got more spaciousness around having it arrive in the time that it's going to arrive and the way that it's going to arrive. When I decide to stop fighting in this moment, just move into presence. And in that presence, I feel some more peace. Give it a go. <laughs> So what situation, what thought form, what relationship, what dynamic, what agreement is not working for you? When you face those facts, liberation is going to be right on the heels of the truth of that moment. And I know it can be so wrenching. And I know that grief could be quick on the tails of that revelation about what's not working. But with that revelation, with that truth, with that clarity, that presence, there will come some surge, maybe a major power surge, for you to respond to your deeper desires with compassion, with clarity, with solutions, with innovation. <gasps> yeah, with fresh love. Listen, here's the thing. When you're done fighting, you're done fighting. And there's a bittersweet relief to that. Focus, focus on the sweet. All right, please stay with me through the final part of this episode. I want to talk about the ultimate in giving up, which is the giving up on choosing to still be alive. This is really about suicide. And I was speaking last summer at St. James's Church in London. It's a beautiful experience. So grateful to the people uh, who brought me in to, to be in that community. And we were talking about the ultimate in giving up. 
And I, I wish I knew this man's name so I could give him credit, although I think he had borrowed this and it's been borrowed and borrowed and borrowed. Uh, and it's this, that hope is an acronym for hang on, pain ends. Hang on, pain ends. So we've just done this dance about when to give up, when to not give up, and looking at relief and giving up the fight. And I felt it was irresponsible to end there when there might be some people who are having suicidal ideation that orbits round and round for them at different periods in their life. Or for those of us who aren't really seriously considering suicide, but we're having some suicidal thoughts and wonderings once in a while on the darkest of days and should we take those seriously and if the days get darker is that going to be a deeper consideration for those of us who have considered it before and have with great resolve gone to the other side and will never consider taking our lives again for those of us who someday will be shocked at our considerations to take our own lives yeah so let's talk about uh, the ultimate, and not giving up. I'm going to read you, essentially, some advice that I was given by my community. I put a call out on social media to ask for support for a friend of mine whose husband was feeling suicidal. So there were some incredibly powerful sentiments and resources that poured in. So what I've got here is a compiled list of unfiltered insight and hopefulness from both survivors and their loved ones and other caring souls. And my wish here is that our suffering can be transformed into liberating strength and our despair can be transmuted into an incredible beauty that carries us to joy over and over again. And it is with deep humility and respect to each person's path that I say, may these words save lives, and may those lives be well-lived and wildly loved. So in the spirit of radical acceptance for wherever you are on your path, and whatever your choices may be, and in the practice of open communication, here goes, here's the wisdom of my community. This is from Mandy. I've attempted suicide twice in my life. After that, I became a crisis counselor and a coach. Out of everything I have experienced and learned, the best thing anyone ever did for me was telling me that it made sense that I was feeling how I was feeling. They made me feel like I wasn't crazy, and given everything I had gone through, it made sense I was feeling this way and even acting that way. There is so much freedom in being able to not judge yourself for feeling suicidal. That alone relieved a ton of my suffering. From Nagar, when supporting them, and I think Nagar is meaning people who are considering suicide, saying... I understand, or I know how you feel, can actually be a trigger. Unless we also struggle in this way, we don't understand, 
and we don't know how they feel. I've learned that saying, that sounds really hard, or it sounds like you're really hurting, goes much further in the way of being there. Empathy is a sketchy area sometimes. This comes from Chrissy. My husband of eight years is bipolar too, which suicidal ideation plays into. In recent years, it has helped me to be more open with family and friends about what's going on. Keeping quiet continues the negative stigma around mental health. Open, honest communication when he is having good days is also a big factor. And respecting his bad days for what they are because, honestly, we all have bad days. This is from Fanny. My partner has had suicidal thoughts for most of his life, before meds and therapy. I've struggled with this myself. It's deeply painful and scary to know your dearest one is so vulnerable. This is what I can offer, which is what I have seen him do when he's helping friends who come to him with suicidal thoughts. He asks them for just one more day. He asks them for just one more day. He doesn't try to convince them of anything. He listens. He doesn't try to address the issues. In the moment, when the person contemplating suicide is vulnerable, he simply asks to give them one more day. He asks that they wait until tomorrow. This is from Mary. I have been suicidal most of my life, and I'm sharing this advice because it's what has helped me the most and something I've never heard anywhere else. The first, second, and third thing to do is calm the heck down, breathe, and ground yourself. When someone is suicidal, the last thing they need is their partner losing it. And that's where it started for me. That on its own will help. First, second, and third thing you do is calm down and breathe. Leah has attempted suicide before. Here's what she has to say. As a suicide attempt survivor, currently winning the battle with clinical depression, I can offer my thoughts on how to help. First, we do not want to be fixed. I mean, we do want to be fixed, but we understand that it's not your job. What we are hoping for is someone who will love us despite our demons. It is hard to love someone who struggles with this killer. But I commend you for trying to understand. I commend you for staying. Your partner, who is considering suicide, craves and deserves love just like you. I wish you both the best and much happiness, although I know that I, who am struggling with clinical depression, I will never be out of the woods. But I pray for all of you struggling that you can get to the place that I'm in. Better off. This comes from Kylie, who is a fan of desire mapping, and she starts out by saying, uh, not to be a suck arse. And I think suck arse is like the North American term for a kiss ass, okay? So not to be a suck arse, but desire mapping did help me through this very personal experience. It kept me focused on my own goals and soul, and sometimes was the only thing that helped me to not become lost in my partner's trauma 
her partner's suicide trauma. So to be able to step back and remember to take the steps to ensure that my own life kept running. It was just the little things. Go to yoga, eat clean, read the book, talk to a friend, connect, laugh with a baby. What have I done today to move a little bit closer to my core desired feeling state? How can I be kinder to myself in the moments when I simply can't? That was a lifesaver. All right, so here's some support specifically for the supporters. Again, this comes from the wisdom of a person in our community named Nagar. My son was suicidally depressed last year, and I found that therapy for me was critical because I needed a place to go where I could stop. As the supportive partner, you don't always have to be strong. It can feel as though you always have to be the rock, but you're allowed to be hurting. You have the right to take up space and be emotionally messy. But often those needs will need to be met by the others in your life. Therapy, friends, family, support groups are all very helpful, essential. Know the number for the suicide hotline, for your partner's therapist, and for other support systems. But do not be afraid to ask for help yourself. You are not in this alone. Joanna lost her mother to suicide. And she says, I'm not so sure I could have saved my mom from suicide. I think I prolonged my mother's life for 10 years by begging, pleading, and chasing after her. In the end, it was her choice. My big life lesson was that I cannot save people nor make them think differently. Her perception was her reality. Here's a beautiful declaration from another woman named Kylie who lost her partner to suicide. I feel like I'm progressing. It's not to say back on track or back to normal, because I'm not the same. I will never be the same again. And I'm starting to feel that that's okay. I'm giving myself permission to be changed by the events in my life. To be sad and grieve. To be angry. To miss your face. I miss your voice and the way you made me chase life. I miss sharing my day with you and the person I became around you. More patient kind, happy, full of love. I do not give myself permission to curl up and die because of this. Because you chose to leave us before I was ready. I say no to that. I have dreams and desires that were bubbling and blistering my soul long before you were a force in my life. And so I say no to that pull to wilt and become less than. I will force myself if I have to, but I will chase my joy ferociously. That's how I'm progressing towards something close to myself, my home, my heart. All right, let me shift this conversation back to my personal experience with someone I've loved who has suicidal ideation and my own very light, as in L-I-T-E, suicidal considerations. So the friend that I'm going to speak of has been really public about their struggle with suicidal ideation. But just in case he doesn't want me mouthing off about it to thousands of people, uh, I'm just let's just call him Jack. Jack remembers considering suicide when he was a young boy. And thoughts of suicide have circled around him 
Now the orbit would become more extended. He would go more years without it crossing his mind, and then a few more years, and then more into adulthood and further out. But it would still, it was still a wolf that never really left his domain. And a few years ago, he went through a really dark passage and had to check himself into a facility and was essentially on suicide watch. And I didn't have any judgment about that at all. Just, oh, just, you know, really felt his suffering as much as I could, you know. And he's married to one of my best friends on the planet. And I remember walking with him and and asking him, don't you want to stay alive for the sake of your wife and stepkid? And I'll just to take a step back here, not so much to give myself credit for being so enlightened, but just to give some potential guidance here with tone. In my asking that, it, was, it wasn't this, I wasn't pleading and I was really mindful to not come from this place of judgment, like, you've got it so good, you're going to throw it all away by committing suicide? It was just, really, if you're going to ask that question, attempt to come from a place of really open curiosity, like you're really seeking to understand what's happening within their being. And, and his answer was really surprising and illuminating to me, and it was, that he felt that he was such a heavy burden on them that it would actually be making their lives better if he took his own life and wasn't on the scene anymore. It's like, wow, I hadn't even considered that. It was really uncomfortable slash courage. I, ha- I, had, to, I had to be in that place in myself where... I had to risk looking foolish and judgmental. And actually, I had to risk losing his friendship by showing up and asking really um, almost stoic but curious questions. And once I learned more about the intensity of the grip that the suicidal thinking had on him, I committed to just pepper him with questions and get inside. And we were going for a walk to a cafe once, and I'd remembered him saying he would be thinking of suicide every few hours. And so I asked, you know, so what do you, when you're planning in your head to do it, like, how do you think of doing it? First of all, is it okay that I ask you these questions? And the answer was yes. He he loved that kind of penetration, that expression of care. And went through the various ways that he was thinking of committing suicide. I also learned about the uh, concept and the approach of compassionate suicide, which I had never heard of in all my years before, which is when it has become apparently clear as it can be that an individual is not going to be able to get out of this suffering in this lifetime maybe the best thing to do is to get out of their way. I mean, this isn't a conversation about assisted suicide or euthanasia, but to just stop attempting to help them to stay alive. 
Now, there's a comment that we did get from a community from a woman named Jen who said, This is a journey that I have been on for the past five years or so. My husband has attempted suicide more than once. Shifting my perspectives and issues around suicide and depression and doing my own healing has changed everything. Focusing on my own healing and holding space for him while he has done his own. Mm. I have learned to become much more fluid with my compassion. Compassionate in ways I didn't even think were a stand for being compassionate. But ultimately, here's where I land on the conversation. A soul's choice is a soul's choice, and I can never know the machinations of another soul. Maybe this is their choice in this lifetime to take their life by their own hand. No judgment. And this is what I know for, for sure. <laughs> I have toyed with the idea of suicide before. I have woken up for long periods of time with thoughts of taking my life, of being in that murky darkness where I just figured that the only way through was out, that I was potentially going to have to take my own life in order to get to the other side, the other side being the next realm, the next dimension, where I assumed there would be relief to this agony. Let me bold and underline the term assumed. I have now re-examined that assumption. I do not know if there is relief on the other side. I believe that my soul is working out everything it can be working out in this moment. And if I were to die this afternoon, I would be carrying forward the same issues, the same glory, the same magnificence, the same strength and divinity, and the same struggles. So I'm going to stay here and try and work out as much as I can so that when I get to the next dimension, the next embodiment incarnation, I'm as clean and open and rarefied and purified and as light as I can be. I'm much more committed to this day than I have ever been. Here's what I also know for sure from my own experience. There's another side that joy is absolutely the seed of truth that is existing perpetually and eternally in every cell of us that we can do the work step by step without judgment, without condemnation, to move through our suffering and move towards the true reality. The suffering is the fire that moves towards light, that moves towards God, that moves towards joy. The suffering may be protracted, extended, repetitive, and beyond what you think what you in your mind think you cannot bear. Choose another thought. There's always a more healing, life-affirming thought to choose. And when I was in my darkest days, in the soup of hormonal chemistry, in the impact of hardship and one event after another that tested my strength, in the 
residue of issues that I hadn't dealt with, in a wound that I had covered up and bandaged with work and success. When I was in all that, I realized that I was considering death and that the alternative was to choose life-affirming thoughts, feelings, and actions. I wanted to live at least for a few more years to get my son up and out into the world. For me, it wasn't an hour-by-hour or a day-by-day choice. It was, I got to get through the next couple years. So to get through the next couple years, I decided that I was going to commit to feelings that resembled being alive and vital. That to get through the next few years, I was going to choose food and people and rest that resembled life, that lit me up, that was good for my body, that were encouraging, that were based in love and hope. And to get through the next few years, I committed to choosing thoughts that were about life, that I was chosen to be here, that I worked with God in concert with God to choose to be here, that I was here for a reason, that my birthright was a life fulfilled, a life of joy, of deep harmony, of deep equanimity, of fulfilling passion and partnership in creative unity and how I express myself in the world. Life, life, life. And every day, (laughs) I still get up and intentionally choose life-affirming thoughts in support of life-filled feelings. There's another side to death today. There's another side to the darkness, and it feels like strength, and it feels like love, and it radiates joy, and it gives hope for everybody who doesn't see another way. So many stories from the community rolled in about, oh, there's no other word to use, but the glory of choosing to live. So no matter where you are on your path, full of joy, waking up with inklings of doubt, whether you are in the bowels of darkness, there's life. It's eternal, it's present right now, and if you can't believe it for yourself, believe all the other people who are expressing themselves in my voice right now to life. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word. You can find me here in a new episode every Thursday and every Sunday with love. <laughs>